Hey, welcome to the Impact Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you like it was to us. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Romans chapter 12. So um, this, the, over the last several weeks, the Lord's begun to deal with me out of Romans chapter 12. And um, I've just been chewing on it, meditating on it, kind of writing notes down and doing some studying. And then pastor preached a message this past Sunday morning about the power of a transformed life. And, and I took that as somewhat of a confirmation. So if the Spirit will allow us over the next couple of weeks, we're going to kind of go down a journey here of Romans chapter 12. We're going to do an old school expository style. We're going to start at verse 1. We're going to work our way through the chapter. It may take the whole summer, but the the story, the crux of Romans chapter 1 is living a separated, sanctified, consecrated, transformed life. And so we have called this series Transformed. And my prayer is by the time we get to the end of this series, you understand a little bit more about what it means when you say you're born again. You understand a little bit more about what it means when you say you're sanctified or you're a Christian or you're a follower of Christ or that you've been transformed. So we're going to explore some of the characteristics of a transformed life over the next couple weeks. And so tonight we're going to start here in Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Look to your neighbor say, a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to focus there midway through verse 1, that you may present your bodies a living sacrifice. And that's the title of tonight's message, a living sacrifice. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. For your word, we thank you that it's powerful, it's quick, it's sharp, Lord, and we thank you that it'll do exactly what you said it would do, God, because you sent forth your word to heal them, Lord, and no word will return unto you void. So, God, I pray that this word, through, God, the delivery of the Holy Spirit, would find its way to the hearts of young men and young women, that they may experience the encounter of the Holy Spirit, God, to live a changed and transformed life, God. Lord, I pray that this word would multiply as a seed and bring forth much fruit for the glory of the kingdom of God. In the mighty name of Jesus, shout amen. All right, like I said just a a few moments ago, uh, several weeks ago, the Lord began to deal with me on this concept of uh, Romans chapter 12 and a transformed life. And then Pastor Tom preached that message this past Sunday. So if the Lord will allow us, I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about uh, a, a, a living sacrifice or begin to lay a foundation for this series that we're going to enter in through throughout the summer. And we're going to start tonight on this concept of the living sacrifice or a living sacrifice. We would all agree that a renewal of spiritual life is very much needed in the world today. The church desperately needs a renewal of life. Not just the church, but society today desperately needs a renewal of life. Last year, last week, while our church was in revival, uh, we learned about the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, where 21 fourth graders, these are fourth graders, these are 10 and 11 year olds, were gunned down by evil and, and they lost their lives. Just 10 and 11 years old, these children and their families experienced such tragedy. Uh, I grew up in northern Indiana 
and my very first missions trip was to Jamaica and the church that I went to, the senior pastor just this week uh, was, was caught up in a, in a sexual scandal. This is a man of God who had been pastoring his church actually almost 40 years. And 20-something years ago, he found himself, while well, he got up behind the pulpit just a couple Sundays ago and said, I want to apologize. I had an affair just, just 20 years ago. It was a one-time thing. And then the young lady comes forward and says it wasn't an affair. It was molestation because this young girl was 16 years old. We are living in a day and age where this world desperately needs an encounter with God. We need a transformation. We need a renaissance, if you will. We need a renewal of the Spirit of God in America because the Bible tells us that in the last days some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, hearing lies and hypocrisies, having their conscience seared as it were by a hot iron. What would possess an 18-year-old young man to grab a gun and go kill a bunch of 10 and 11-year-olds? What would possess a senior pastor of a very large and prominent church in northern Indiana to have a sexual relations with a 16-year-old girl in his church so that many would fall to that. What would possess somebody? It is the spirit of the Antichrist. It is the enemy. It is a last-day spirit. It is a seared conscience, the Bible says. Some having, the Bible says in the last days, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. They will hear lies and hypocrisies, and they'll have their conscience seared as a war by a hot iron. I tell you all of this to tell you that we need a renewal of life. We need revival because that which should be alive, unfortunately, is very much dead in today's day and age. And I know that Community Family Church, and I know that Impact Youth Ministries is an exception to the rule. But by and large, when you look out there to that thing called the church, when you look out there to that thing called the body of Christ, it is very much dead. It is very much uh, deprecated. It is very much lifeless. The Bible says that in the last days they'll have a form of godliness but have none of the power that comes with it. If you look at many of the churches on Sunday mornings, and listen, I'm not one of those pastors to get up behind a pulpit and bash every other church and have this sense of church elitism like we're the only good church in the world. I know that's not true. I know there's plenty of great churches out there, but I want to tell you the majority of the churches out there are prancing around in display of a power that they do not have. They've learned to speak and mimic in tongues. They've learned to mimic the move of the Spirit. They've learned to mimic the power of the Spirit. But when it comes down to seeing bodies healed, there's no power to do it. Why? Because they've had their conscience seared, the Bible says, as it were, by a hot iron. So we need a transformation in these last days. We need a renewal of life. And to accomplish this revival, to accomplish this renewal of life, the Bible calls for a new vessel, something transformed to the mind of God is what is desperately needed. Look to your neighbor and say, you can be such a vessel. Come on, say it with some passion. Say, you can be such a vessel. Amen. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 19, Elisha is caught up in a, in a situation. The Bible says the men of the city had come to Elisha and said, Elisha, the situation of our city is pleasant. Everything seems to be going good, Elisha, but we've got this problem. We can't sustain life. We can't grow anything. We can't feed our population because the water is bitter, and the thing that we're trying to water our produce with is bitter. It's, 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 it's not 
not, is what the Bible says. And they weren't able to grow anything. And the men of the city, although the city was pleasant, although the lights were on, although the pews were polished, although the windows were clean, although the parking lots were full, although they had social media following, although the 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 people tuned in to watch their service, although this preacher had 20,000 Facebook or 3 million Instagram followers, the Bible says the situation of the city was pleasant, but the men were desperate because they realized that the water was bitter. And so Elijah understood that if there was ever going to be a renewal of life, you see, the city had everything they needed, but they couldn't sustain the life out there in their crops. They couldn't sustain life out there in their fields because their water was bitter and they needed a transformation. So they called upon the man of God and the man of God said, go get me a new vessel is what he said. Get me a new vessel and fill it with salt. And the Bible says Elisha took that salt, threw it in the waters, and the bitter waters became sweet. They began to water the produce. Life returned to those fields. The city was provided for, and the next generation moved on for the glory of God. But it all came out of a new vessel. Let me tell you something, young person. If we're going to see a move of the Spirit of God in these last days, if we're going to see an outpouring of the Spirit of God, it's not just enough to give the preacher the microphone and say, preach on revival. It's not just enough to have the church leadership call a consecutive week of church service after church services for three or four nights, but we can't just say we had revival by calling a bunch of consecutive services. What you and I need is to understand that true transformation, true revival will come from new vessels. Amen. It's not going to come from an old vessel that cusses like it used to cuss and talk like it used to talk and walk like it used to walk and gossip like it used to gossip and behave with its boyfriend like the world does and treat its girlfriend like the world does and listen to their music and watch their entertainment and you can say well preacher you're harping again let me tell you revival and transformation will never come from an old vessel it must come from a new vessel look to your neighbor and say you can be such a vessel amen it was from this vessel that a notable change was released I said it was from that new vessel if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Listen, if you want to see your family saved, like Sister Amanda saw them saved, you can't just believe for the pastor to preach to them. You better start living that new life in front of them. Come on, if you're believing for your basketball team to be saved, your football team to be saved, your cheer team to be saved, or whatever it is, your peer to be saved, and you go to work and you cuss and act like the devil and act a fool like the rest of them, you can't expect them to understand who is living on the inside of you. What this world needs is what that city needed in 2 Kings as a new vessel. Somebody who will accept that which the Holy Spirit is trying to do and understand that God wants to bring about change to the bitter waters of this world because this world is lifeless because of what they're consuming by most of what the world calls as the church. It's bitter, but the world needs new vessels. That's the core message tonight, that if you and I are to see the power of God in operation, in a way, to see notable change. I said notable change. I said notable change, not something you could stretch the story and make it sound like a miracle. I've heard enough of that mess. I've heard enough of people, uh, you know, taking some medication and feeling better and trying to stretch it. I'm talking about notable change. I'm talking about people coming up out of wheelchairs. I'm talking about dead folks jumping up out of caskets. I'm talking about blinded eyes open. I'm talking about the paralytic receiving their power to walk again. I'm talking about notable change. 
I'm talking about young people who are addicted to drugs and hell-bent on suicide, receiving the life-giving power of Jesus Christ. But it will not come from anything but a new vessel. Amen. It'll come from a new vessel that's been transformed into Christ's likeness. Hallelujah. If it wasn't for the Lord. Amen. I don't know where I would be. What's that song say? My life was nothing until he set me free. I don't walk like I used to walk because he made a difference. I don't talk like I used to talk because he made a difference. I don't behave like I used to behave. I don't go where I used to go. I don't act how I used to act. Why? Because there's no room for that. I recognize by acting the way I used to act and talking the way I used to talk and gossiping the way everybody else does and engaging in backwards conversations and inappropriate jokes and doing all the things of this world. Listen, if you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. But if you flow and sow to the spirit, the Bible says of the spirit you will reap life everlasting and that's what this world needs they need an introduction to the life giving power of Jesus Christ it's called revival they need the life of Jesus Christ but it only comes from a new vessel so Paul issues a sturdy appeal to these Roman believers in Romans chapter 12 that the Holy Spirit spoke through Paul as he urged the presentation of one's life as a living sacrifice what is a living sacrifice? A living sacrifice is to put to death your carnal self so that a new, greater life can live. And listen, I know that's not a popular message to preach and teach to young people. But let me tell you, God will only accept a living sacrifice. God will only accept a sacrifice. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. But a living sacrifice is to put to death your carnal self so that a new greater life can live. The Bible says in Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, yet Christ who lives within me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who saved me and gave his life to me. It says the life which I now live, it is no longer. Amen. It's time we get to a place where that old life to live is no longer what it was can be no longer what I used to act like can be no longer how I used to think can be no longer and if I've got to evaluate my friend group so be it if I've got to evaluate who I hang with on Friday night that's the sacrifice I'm willing to make if I've got to throw my phone out the door because I can't figure out how to stay sanctified on it when the lights are off and the bedrooms closed and nobody's around listen young man you could have everybody fooled in the world you could have your mama fooled your youth pastor fooled your daddy fooled but the Bible says that Jesus Christ sees and knows all and true character is who you are in the dark when nobody else is watching when you won't get caught where there is no consequence that is your true character how you behave when nobody is watching how you act and talk and think when nobody is going to hold you accountable that is the true character and it's time we align our life up with the character of the holy spirit and recognize that we've got to live a transformed life so my brother can be saved it is no longer i who live many listen to what this is saying i am crucified with christ now you saying pastor tad i've got to jump up on that cross and be crucified with jesus that is exactly what i'm saying and now I'm not talking about your physical body. I don't want anybody jumping up and trying to nail themselves to the cross. First of all, that would hurt, and you can't do it. But we're talking about your spiritual man. We're talking about your, your spirit. You've got to, you, your flesh, rather. We're talking about dying to your flesh, your carnality, that old way of living. The Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. You see, the problem in America, and listen to me, young people, this is so important. 
because there's many of you who are at the cross. Listen, we got a bunch of young people at the cross. The problem isn't being at the cross. We don't have enough people on it. We got a lot of people. As a matter of fact, in America, it's popular to say I'm a Christian. It's popular to take a, 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 a quote from a pastor or a Bible verse from your daily devotion and put it out on Facebook and Instagram. And listen, we should, we should promote and, and, and put the word of God out there. I'm not trying to discourage that. But listen, don't be, wasting the, don't be wasting the sinner's time by putting a Bible verse out there and then putting a picture of your half-naked body by the swimming pool right after that. Don't be messing with that kind of stuff. We need to live consecrated, sanctified, and dedicated to the Lord God Almighty. Somebody help this preacher here. Many are at the cross, but few are actually on it. We need to be crucified with Christ. Because when we do live, it's nevertheless not I who lives, yet Christ who lives within me. Romans chapter 14, verse 8 says, Whether I live or whether I die, I do it unto Christ. The life which I now live. What life? Are you now living? Has your life changed? Right? The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. If you're going to be a living sacrifice, there has to be something new in your life. Amen. So a living sacrifice, number one, is to put to death your carnal self so that a new, greater life can live. Romans chapter 6, verse 5 through 7 says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. He who has made that decision to climb up on that cross and crucify his flesh, the Bible says that man has been freed from sin. He's no longer a slave to sin. But what is a slave? A slave is legal property to a master. A slave is legal property forced to obey its master. Listen, the Bible says we were sold unto sin. Because of what Adam and Eve did in that garden. When you were born, young people, the Bible says you were sold unto sin. Sin was your master. No one had to teach you how to lie. No one had to teach you how to be dishonest. You all come to a point in your life where we've fallen short of the grace and the glory of God. And the Bible says that we all have sinned. There's none righteous. No, not one. And what ends up happening is that we become slaves to sin. We become legal property of the enemy himself. And we are forced to obey him. And then we act on the way we feel. When we get mad and we get angry. Angry, we act on that. When we have a will that is contrary to the word of God, we act out our will and we find ourselves doing that which is right in our own eyes. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Jude that in those times they did that which was right in their own eyes. They just did how they feel. They just did what they wanted to do. That's a humanistic, self-sufficient, independent, I can do it on my own without God attitude. And if every decision you make in life is based off how you feel that day, you need to go on a real long fast, starve yourself a little bit, make sure you pray and crucify that flesh. Amen. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome the world, because greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. A living sacrifice is letting the greater one live through and in you. This is what a living sacrifice. Being a living sacrifice requires knowing the standard by which to live. And so when I say standard, I'm talking about a flag. How many of y'all have ever heard of a standard referred to as a flag? 
Amen. Standard is a flag. A standard was used in military conquest as an indication as to which side you were on. And when that standard was raised and maintained in the fight, it indicated that the site that that standard, the side that that standard represented, was still in the fight. When I look out over that battlefield, Amen. That's what the Star Spangled Banner is all about, right? Our, our national anthem. After a long battle and the rockets' red glare and the bombs bursting in air, right? Gave proof through the night that our flag, our standard was still there. They woke up the next morning and although the war had raged on, the Americans knew that their, their side, that we the American people were still in the fight. Why? Because when they looked out over that ocean, they saw on that boat that the American flag was still flying and so they knew that America was still in it. Listen, this is the standard by which we ought to live. It is called the word of God and when we live our life according to the standard of the word of God, when we lift up and we we live that life according to God's standard. That's an indication to the world that the church is still in this fight, that the body of Christ is still in this fight, that there's still a side that's going to push past and press against the power of the enemy. Also, by raising up a standard, it indicates which side you're on. And again, we've established that the standard is set by the word of God. And when you raise that standard, it should indicate what side you're on. Let me ask you this. If the world were to read your life, because that's what the Bible says, we're a written epistle, read and known of all men. If they were to read the story of your life, what standard would it represent? What side would you be on based off of what they're reading from your life? We must keep the standard raised so the world knows that we're still in this thing. The standard is the Word of God. It is the Bible. It's not... Your opinion. It's not what feels good. It's not what, and listen, this is a real thing for teenagers here. Y'all are getting real quiet on me, so I'm going to help you out just real quick on something. I see so many young people, instead of getting in that Bible, instead of reading it and researching it, they run around from adult to adult to adult to opinion to opinion to opinion, and if they don't like the opinion of that adult, they go to a different adult until they find somebody who will give them an opinion that lines up with their carnality. All right? Right? I know of a situation where there were some young men in a youth group who asked, is it wrong to watch pornography? And they got the answer from the youth pastor, yes, it'll send you to hell. Well, that's awfully harsh. It'll send you to hell. Just let me go ahead and tell you. They didn't like what I had to say. So they ran to this guy. Instead of watching pornography, and luckily Brother Cody said, yes, it's wrong. And then they went to Caleb, is watching pornography wrong? Yes, it's wrong. Then they went over here, is watching pornography wrong? Yes, it's wrong. And they kept running and they kept running until finally they found somebody who said, well, as long as it doesn't make you fornicate, and as, you know, you're young men and you have carnal desires and you have fleshly desires, and, you know, as long as you don't sin, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe I, I I don't know. Listen, the reality is this. You can run around all you want, and you can try to find somebody who will tell you what you want to hear. You can try to find somebody who will tell you what you want to do, and they'll say, oh, it's okay. You know, it's okay to do that with your boyfriend and that with your girlfriend, so long as you don't go all the way. And if you run around and you find somebody who will give you their opinion, that's all you got was the opinion of a carnal man on the way to hell. The word of God is the standard. 
That's why the Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Right? That is what's killing this young generation. It's not drugs. It's not alcohol. It's not suicide. It's not depression. It's not anxiety. It's this lie that the enemy's told you that you can find some other way to live other than what's in this world. And so you leave your Bible closed on the bookshelf collecting dust. The Bible app hasn't been open in so long. You've got to download it from the cloud next time you go to read it. It's been so long since you've opened up those leather-bound pages and read the Word of God. The Bible says you're destroyed because of your lack of knowledge. Amen. You can't live the way you're supposed to live if you don't read the instructions. I can't go build a half a million dollar home and not go read the blueprint. It's going to look like a, it's going to look like a preschool Valentine's box project. Come on, anybody ever make a Valentine's Day box in kindergarten? You know what I'm talking about. Amen. The word of God is the standard in our life. I'm wrapping up. A living sacrifice is holy, the Bible says. It's holy. It's set apart for later use. In other words, it's sanctified. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, Come out from among them, and be ye separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. And then it goes on to the next chapter, verse 1, chapter 7, verse 1. It says, therefore, having these promises. What promises? That if you come out from among them and you're separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, that I'll be your father and you'll be my children. That's promise. Having these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That is what the word of God is mandating from us, that we are perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. The actual word there means working through completion. It's a process. Listen, young person, nobody expects you to come up here, pray the sinner's prayer, get a hold of Jesus, and live a perfect life from here on out. Listen, there's power from sin. There's power to be free from sin. There's power to be free. But I understand the process of sanctification scripturally and doctrinally is a progressive work. You become more like Christ. We, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he comes, we shall be like him. And we are ever living in a process to become more like Christ in our life. So living, living a sacrificial life is becoming more like Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15. I'm throwing a bunch of scripture at you here. But as he who has called you is holy, you also should be holy in all your conduct. Look to your neighbor and say, all your conduct. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. These are the words of God. Jesus said, be holy in all your conduct. I just want to educate you here. This is the Greek word for all is all. Okay? It's everything. It's mind-blowing. The Hebrew and Chaldean translation for the word all means all. It's everything. Be holy in all your conduct, young people. Come on, all your conduct. Not just when the youth pastor's watching. Not just when the youth leader's leading a small group. Come on, be holy. When all the, I'm just going to look over here so no one thinks I'm preaching that. When all the girls are together and there's no one there and the temptation is to talk bad about each other and to tear one another down, be ye holy in all your conduct. Young man, when you're in the locker room and all the boys are talking filthy and what they've done with their girlfriend and what they're going to do with this girl and what they've done with that girl, be ye holy in all your conduct. When everybody else is cursing and cussing and you feel the temptation to 
fit in. Be ye holy in all your conduct. When you're at the movie theater and all your friends are sitting there and the scene comes on, that Holy Spirit speaks up and says, be ye holy in all your conduct. Have enough fear, have enough guts, have enough gumption to get up, turn around, walk out of that room like Joseph did and flee ye youthful lust. Be ye holy in all your conduct. Amen. Not just the conduct you want. Amen. A living sacrifice should be acceptable. All of y'all know the story of Cain and Abel. A, a living sacrifice should be acceptable. That's what it says. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Right? So we talked about holy. Now let's talk about acceptable. What makes a sacrifice acceptable? God decides whether your sacrifice is acceptable or not. You don't get to decide. I can tell you what God will accept. A living sacrifice. Because Cain offered up a sacrifice that wasn't living. Cain went out to the field and sowed his seeds and produced something. And he cut it from the stalk. And once it was cut, it was cut from its source of life. And there was no life in it. And it was of what Cain produced. And he offered it to God. And God did not accept that sacrifice. But yet Abel was a herdsman. He was a cowboy, if you will. He was a farmer, and he raised little lambs and little goats. And the Bible says he offered that as a sacrifice to God, and God accepted his sacrifice because, you know what? There's no way Abel can produce that life. And so God accepted the sacrifice, not the produce. That's what God's going to accept, young person, is a sacrifice. That's why the Bible says be a living sacrifice. As much as you want your talents, your skills, your abilities your education, as much as you want everything good about you. And I'm so glad that you're talented and you're skillful and you're educated and, and, and you're great and you're wonderful and you've invested in yourself. I'm glad you did that. But listen, that's not what God is after. God is not after. He's not going to accept anything that you can produce. God will only accept a sacrifice. That's why the Bible tells us to be a living sacrifice. He'll never accept our own filthy rags. Your best attempt at your skill, talent, and our ability will only accept your life as a blood-covered, washed state through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in summary, a living sacrifice is to put to death your carnal man and live to a greater life. A living sacrifice is holy. A living sacrifice is knowing the standard by which to live. A living sacrifice should be acceptable unto God, and the only thing that's going to be acceptable is when you offer God what you can't produce. God, here I am. Use me. Use all of me. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you were blessed or encouraged, go ahead and subscribe to the Impact Podcast and share it with a friend to bless them too. Connect with us on Instagram at impactym, and remember, you can have as much of God as you want.